Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. And so one of the things that I learned probably around 26 was that my, and, and this is so foundational and it's going to be so simple, but I want my leaders that are listening to hear this, that our identity in Christ has to be so rooted in, in him and who he is so that changes and transitions and challenges um, don't throw us, but grow us. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always, once again, virtually with my co-host, Josh Hunter. Josh, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I, I was doing all right. So I saw you wearing your, your Dallas I Cowboys shirt. Um, I, this, this is a tie-dye Cowboys shirt. My wife got me. You guys can just imagine the greatest tie-dye shirt ever. And with one of the greatest NFL teams ever. <laughs> um, you know, we suck, but we, we are one of the greatest teams ever. But really excited to wear the shirt today. But I'm much more excited to have a conversation with Alexandra Hoover, who is a wife, a mother, a Bible teacher, or man, this resume, this is so impressive. <laughs> Bible teacher, a writer. She has the privilege of serving on staff at Transformation Church as the assistant director of equipping. And she is passionate about communicating the love of Jesus, whether it be through writing or speaking. And she also is a great leader and loves leadership. Alexandra, happy to have you on today. How are What's you? What's up, guys? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so good. It's a rainy day in Charlotte, and I'm actually really enjoying it because I feel like it's been a hundred degrees for the last week. So <laughs> today's more of like a Sabbath for me. I try not to do too many Zoom meetings for work, uh, catch up on projects, etc. So this rainy day is really blessing me. Oh, good. Well, we're happy to make it into your Sabbath schedule. Yes. And the, the first most important question, do you like the shirt? She can see me. It's okay, she's over there. You don't I'll have to like the team, but do you like the shirt? No, I'm not going to lie. I'm a fan of tie-dye. I'm no. a fan. I saw the shoulders and I'm like, that's really trendy. Mm. I'm, I like it. I'm not going to lie. Now, until I Thank heard you. what it was about or like it's what okay. was on it. No, I understand. I understand that. Piece, <laughs> I, understand. Sure. I, I will also give everyone like some general insight into my life. I, I could care less about sports teams or anything <laughs> like that. Um, it's funny. My husband's very passionate about sports, basketball, football, and of course my pastor, Pastor Derwin. Um, ex NFL football player. So yeah. I, honest to God, I'm lost in every conversation. I'm like, I don't even know what's happening here, but okay. <laughs> That's My great. dream is to line up on a, a line with Derwin and just go head to head. Oh be fun. my gosh. He would, really, lose easily. he would really enjoy that. I'm just, I'm mildly concerned about his back and his hips. That's so good. Well, if, if you're listening and you're you want to check out another podcast uh, and go back and listen. We actually had Derwin on just a few episodes ago to talk about his latest book, which was The Good Life. And it was an yes. uh, awesome conversation. So if you want, you can go and, and check that out. But yeah. today, uh, Alex, we're excited to to hear your story of how you know the Lord has led you to where you are today. So let's go ahead and hop in. And if you can just walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years that have led Ooh. you to Transformation Church. <laughs> yes. Gosh, you guys. So one of the one of the fun things I've gotten to do the last like year or so is really trace back like my ministry life, hmm. kind of taking the time to look back and see like how did I end up here? Um, I will give some context. So when I was in high school, I had no plans being like in vocational ministry. We'll say that. Um, I had big dreams of being a buyer for Nordstrom. I was going to go to school for international business. Um, I was not a, a believer at that point, I would say. Um, I was very uh, passionate about women and leadership and 
making some boss moves, as I like to call them. Um, but then I was met by love when I was 18, uh, really 17. And my passion for um, people, my passion for, for justice and for, I guess, love and rightness, the Lord used for the local church. And so that's kind of big picture just to show you guys the difference um, kind of in the pendulum swing from where I, I was until, until where I am now, where I ended up. Yeah. So I really honestly, not accidentally, because, uh, you know, in the kingdom, everything is uh, intentional. So we're really good, intentional God. Uh, I began to really fall in love with scripture and uh, kind of unbeknown to me, the Lord had begun to kind of light a fire in in me with just understanding his word. I remember um, I, I joke and say that kind of my first ministry role was as a nanny. Um, I, I bring up her name is Angela McGee. Angela McGee was probably one of the first women in my life who really discipled me. Um, I was eight, I was probably 19 years old, uh, newly married, and she kind of allowed me to stumble through my Bible as I nannied her son and uh, would sit for maybe an hour or two as Grayson napped to kind of unpack scripture. And she would really allow me to um, serve even and grow in that way. And so I like to always trace it back to that because that's that's kind of where it started. She spurred me on into ministry. I don't think without her even knowing it. And wow. uh, she served at her local church. Um, she was a devoted like volunteer. She would always go. Uh, I saw her um, leave Grayson with me often so that she could go serve. And the way that she led and had boundaries was beautiful. Uh, she showed me what it looked like to uh, serve and do ministry at a really young age um, through motherhood and and working and serving. And so that really sparked a fire for me. And I always try to encourage leaders to always kind of look back to see what, what was that moment in your life that kind of pushed you mm-hmm. to want to serve and be there? Cause that's our passion point And that's what will continue to drive us. Um, always discipleship and evangelism, re- remembering that it's the great commission or commandment. And, and Angela did that for me and I saw her live it out. So fast forward, um, I began to really fall in love with, with ministry in the local church by seeing her do ministry in her home and in her life. Um, I knew that I wanted to serve people. I didn't know what it looked like. My husband um, was an, he was an incredible uh, believer. Even then I was kind of still stumbling in the faith. I was new. He was not. And seeing him too kind of operate and serve in the local church encouraged me to find my footing. Uh, We were attending a small church in Davidson, North Carolina. Um, Pastor uh, Jeffries, for some reason, uh, saw something in me and allowed me to kind of lead a Wednesday night Bible study. And I had a lot of zeal and a lot of conviction and a lot of passion when I was um, very young. And um, he allowed me this unbridled mouth to kind of go off in the middle middle of a Wednesday night. Um, But that also lit a fire in me. And so kind of I'm looking at these stones in my life. So that, that also the Lord used that church and and that leader to call up gifts in me, just like Angela had done just different scenario, different season. Uh, That is when I really fell in love with vocational ministry. And I knew that I wanted to play a role in the local church. Mm, Uh, Yes. Fast forward. Even then I'll skip over. I ended up not um, working in a local church for another five years. I, Mario and I had found Transformation Church really through what we call an arm of a friend. And I was serving at Transformation Church for about a year and a half before I got on staff. I was serving on the prayer team. 
I was a new mom. Um, I was sleep deprived and knew that the only way to really show up and serve well was praying for people because I was praying for myself. <laughs> so I was like, listen, I can pray. I can pray. I can pray well. I can show up. Um, if you give me the names and the prayer requests, I'm in. And they, I, I was able to use my, my passion and my zeal to serve my local church for a while in that way. And then a role opened up as a ministry assistant in my church. Um, and I didn't know what that really meant. Um, you know, for context, remember, I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't yeah. know how that, what that even fleshed out to be or what it looked like. I just knew that I loved the, the local church and people. Um, and I had a heart for, for women. And so I was like, yeah, I'm in like, let me, let me apply. It was actually the leader of that ministry area who tapped me on my shoulder and said, Hey, you should really apply for this, for this role. Hmm. And so I ended up being hired at Transformation Church when I was 24 to um, be the teens. I have to always remember so many different things. It was the groups. (laughs) Yes. Groups, (laughs) teens and outreach ministry assistant. And I kind of got thrown in and we were still, I mean, we're 10 years now. We were six well, five years at that point. So baby church, a church plant, uh, still figuring out what does it look like? We're growing really fast, really quick. And so we kind of just did whatever we had to do uh, and served wherever I was kind of asked to go. And that's how I ended up with those roles at TC. Um, Fast forward, I transitioned into our, our small groups ministry. I stayed there for a while, learned so much at such a young age about small groups and discipleship. Um, like I said, I kind of fell into it. I fell in love with it. I knew that it had everything to do with the local body and, and Jesus. So I was in. And then the last year and a half, I transitioned over to our equipping assistant director role, uh, which again has a lot to do with discipleship and equipping our local body in a thousand different ways. So that's kind of in a nutshell how I've traced my journey and got to where I am today. No, thank you so much. So looking back on that journey and so many different positions and moving pieces, like <laughs> so it, it, many, a lot. Yeah. You, I could see why you were on the prayer team. Need a lot of prayer to work <laughs> so much prayer. Transition is hard. It is so hard. Um, it's so hard. But looking back on all of that and all those transitions, looking mm-hmm. back to the younger Alex um, and when she's figuring out, Hey, I'm a leader. Um, God has made me to be a leader. I maybe don't yeah. know what that looks like yet, you know, but you kind of mm-hmm. do. What was a pivotal moment in the in, in all that history you just gave us that, that you look back on that really kind of changed the way you led, changed your leadership, maybe changed your life um, yeah. and your calling? Yeah, that's good. So, you know, I was I was reading through kind of the questions and this is one of my favorite ones because I think often as leaders, especially young leaders um, and the culture that we live in, whether you're a millennial or a Gen Zer, everything is very microwavable. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes we think that ministry should reflect like a business structure in the sense of like success. So when you go into a business and you start a business, if you have the right infrastructure, if you're doing the right things, then you will grow your business, be successful. It's a very easy roadmap, I call, I'll call it. <laughs> um, right? In ministry, um, you, you really, in vocational ministry, I'll say you really surrender your life um, to God's will and plan for your life. Right. And so in that, he's more concerned about you becoming more like him and he'll use those pieces to do exactly that. And so one of the things that I learned Mm. probably around 26 was that my and and this is so foundational and it's going to be so simple. But I want my leaders that are listening to hear this, that our identity in Christ has to be so rooted in in him and who he is. So that changes and transitions and challenges um, don't throw us, but grow us. Mm. And as a young leader 
it's pivotal. It, it, it really is a pivotal moment when you get to the fork, uh, fork in the road and realize that your role does not define your identity. Mm. And that as a leader, we're called to sanctification, even within the process of leading in the local church, right? And so it requires a lot of spiritual maturity and a lot of patience to realize um, that even though we might want to be somewhere right now, that it may not be God's timing or God's plan. And that is for our good and his glory. And as young leaders, especially in our generation, that is hard because we're hustlers. We make things happen. Um, We thrive. We want to go hard. uh, And it takes a lot of abiding and a lot of slowing down and resting. And so a pivotal moment for me was realizing that um, I've got to trust his plan. I've got to trust his plan. I've got to trust the role that he has me in uh, and really dig my heels into who I am in him and not where he has me. Mm -hmm. You know, hearing hearing you kind of talk about the difference between a business type role and ministry type role. It is hard. And we were, we were talking with Barnabas Piper recently as well. And one thing that he said was it's easy when you're in, in ministry to almost look for those same metrics that you would in business. How much have we grown? And of course, I mean, those are conversations that you, you can have, you know, trajectory and trends, but how have you, as you've entered into the ministry world and and you, you've kind of, You've made your way to groups and you're leading in that capacity. How do you push back against that? And just like you said, continue to abide and slow down and make sure you're not kind of going into the the worldly uh, mm-hmm. metrics of success in your in your job. Yeah. So I will use this story as an example. So I, I'm not going to say her name because she would be so embarrassed, but there's a young girl who I have the privilege and honor of walking alongside of. She's incredible. She's so gifted. She's so talented. I, she is going to do so many incredible things in the local church. And a lot of our conversation together the last few weeks, uh, she's 22. And I see 22, 22 year old Alex in her so much, so <laughs> much deal, um, was reminding her Uh, that she works from a place of love, not for love. Mm. And that even in ministry, right, as we're serving people, it's our, it's our, it's our first role, um, an invitation to sit at the feet of the father in general. And I think often because we think that it's us working for the kingdom that will advance us, we forget that it's really, we're working out of the love that he has for us. And I know it's very simple and very Christian easy, but it's so foundational to our faith in anything that we do. Uh, that I think the enemy will try to um, blind us from understanding and really realizing that even in ministry, we're called to be sons and daughters uh, and that it's not a business. And that even though we're called to be good stewards, we have to go back to remembering what he's called us to. And that that looks different in different seasons. Mm -hmm. Our roles will shift and changes will come in different seasons. And so I've had to always remember two things that uh, I can slow down that I'm allowed to rest. I'm allowed to look at um, where I am and I'm allowed to look more at him than anything else to really get my cup filled and remind myself of who I am, regardless of what's going on around me. Mm-hmm. And say, say that again, Alex, it's working from love, not for love. Yeah. Working from it and not for it. And I think we're our generation. I keep, you know, I'll speak specifically to us. We are good at working for love, especially because of how the, the wiring of our, of our system and culture and structure. Mm. We're good for that. We're really good for working for it um, because we can get measurements out of it. And a lot of millennials and Gen Zers, um, they see the hustle culture and buy into it. And so in the local church, you almost want to take that same system and apply it. But in God's kingdom, it's not hustle, it's rest. Um, it's an invitation to abide. And that's a mm. consistent, I think, 
that's a consistent repivoting that we have to do, even in our leadership as leaders, as leading other people. It's, hey, like, what, what are we doing here? Are we working for someone's aff- affirmation or love? Or are we working from love? If we work from love, man, things will flow so much smoother through us and it'll be him in us. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, Emily P. Freeman wrote a book called The Next Right Thing. We've talked about it a lot her. on this podcast. Yes. But one of the things, one of the questions that she kind of tees up for you in really any decision, but really big life decisions, am I being pushed by fear or pulled by love? Yeah. And, and so when you said that, you know, we're working from love, not for it, it kind of, I think those two quotes can go hand in mm-hmm. hand together, you know, pushed by fear, pulled by love, we're working from love, not for love. Yeah. Um, that's really good. Awesome. Thanks. Well, you mentioned uh, seeing your 22 year old self and someone else. So let's go back to uh, yes. a little bit younger Alex. Yeah. What was, what was uh, one of your biggest mistakes as a leader getting started? <laughs> and maybe how did that set you up for success down the road? Oh gosh. Oh man. So I will, I will, I'll start off by saying this. I'm an Enneagram eight. (laughs) Um, and if you know the Enneagram at all, friends listening, uh, we're the challengers and my, my gifting. Um, and I think my, like I said, my passion, my zeal has often got me to, uh, gotten me in trouble because I really try to go ahead of either the plan or what's happening or, whatever, whatever it is, I want to move quick and fast and I want to make things happen. And when I see a vision, I want to get, I want to get us there. And one of, one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made is not only trusting God, but trusting the leadership above me Um, and trusting that God had placed leaders um, to lead me. (laughs) And there is a lot of humility that comes with, when I think about leadership, I think about humility. And when I think about leadership, I think about Jesus and the way that he led and he led from a a posture of servanthood and a posture of humility. And when we cannot trust leaders that are leading us, uh, we're going to sit in toxic leadership and we will end up leading others in a toxic, in a toxic way. And so I, for a long time, um, had a hard time trusting leadership from a place of, um, not from, not from character but more so from a place of their, their plans and me not knowing them. And then of course, ultimately trusting God, the father, right? Do I trust that he, that his plan and his will is good for me. And so I, I, that is one of the biggest mistakes. Uh, not so much. I wouldn't even talk about practical things like TAM, uh, time management. Those things can be fixed. Um, comparing yourself to others. We can talk about that later. I think the biggest thing is, do you trust the people that you're, that you're leading with? Because if you don't trust them, uh, you're not going to be able to lead in a healthy way. So hearing you say that, I kind of put myself even in my younger shoes as well. And I'm sure listeners, some are in this right now where you are sitting under leadership. And as a young leader who you feel like you know everything. Yeah, we do. Like, we feel like we know all the things. <laughs> We're like, get out of the way. Just let us do it. We know what's happening. <laughs> yes. You're like, if I was leading, we would do it this I way. Would do this way. <laughs> yes. So. How do you, because I totally resonate with what you're saying there, but let's, let's go to where it really is a plan that you're like, man, I wish we could change this. Cause I, I do see a flaw in this or how do you humbly lead yeah. up to leaders who you, even if you're trusting of them, but you can yeah. see that we should move in this direction. So how, what, what advice would you give to a young leader of how to lead up even as you're trusting someone, but you can lead yeah. up in that way. So one of the, so there's a book, I'm sure you guys know how to lead when you're not in charge. 
Clay Scroggins? Yes, by Clay. <laughs> yeah, by Clay. Um, I would recommend them reading that book, number one. And then I would also say, you know, as we lead up, there, that's why identity is so important, right? If we are, if we're grounded in our identity in Christ, then we won't be afraid of not conflict, but any type of challenge that comes our way. And we won't be afraid to speak into things. And as leaders, as disciples, we're called to speak into things, right? In general, whether it be mm-hmm. places of uh, uh, places of tension, conflict, challenges, etc. And so, as we lead up, we're, we have to understand that that's gonna that's gonna come with it. Right. We're going to we're going to experience opposition as young leaders, as old leaders, et cetera. I think as young leaders, we often um, we often lose or are afraid to use our voice for the fear of being rejected or the fear of not being heard. And I would encourage the young leader to humbly um, not two things. Number one, as you're talking to your leader, uh, remember that, yes, they're your leader, but they're also your brother in Christ and or your sister in Christ. And so as you talk with them, uh, remember that you're family. And so you should be able to talk with them about openly about an organization, a local church, a ministry, et cetera, um, with trust and saying, hey, I see I see something here that really uh, could be better or spoken into. And two things could happen. They could say, hey, it's not time for that. And you have to respect that and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'll keep praying and trust that God will make a way. Uh, and and or they could say, hey, that's a great idea. Let's move on it. That's really good. Uh, I, I'm a type eight as well, Alex. And so <laughs> I, I, I think back to my, uh, I interned for a church when I was younger. It was years ago, probably seven or eight years ago. And I was just like the worst intern ever, you know, thought I knew. <laughs> thought Literally I knew everything. Right. Yeah, I mean, yes. Pipe and Drake, I was pretty good at setting up, you know, because we were church. Oh, good old Pipe, pipe and, Drake. and Drake. You know, I can do that. Old, yes. But when it came to leadership, I was just, you know, so green and, and didn't really know anything about leadership. And so um, some of the unhealthy attributes of the type eight were definitely coming out. Um, but something that I feel like the Lord taught me along the way was, and this is what I would say to those listening, you could be right about a certain problem. You, yeah. you might actually be right. You, you might actually be reading the situation correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I did. Most of the time I didn't. So I'm not saying like I was always right. I definitely <laughs> was not probably 90% of the time wrong. But would you rather fight for like your voice to be heard and them to look at you and say, you're right. Or would you rather fight for humility? And I think along the way I learned, man, if I can just submit to my leaders and trust my leaders, like Alex is saying, use trust before suspicion, the Lord will grow me in humility. And that's the bigger gift than being right. Yeah, um, amen. And, and, and the, the right will come, like doing things the right way, that, that, that will show up eventually. Um, yeah. The Lord is working on your character, not your competence in those seasons. Mm-hmm. So Alex, what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? Knowing everything you know now and all the millions of book you, books you've probably read. <laughs> what, yes, oh God. What book? I mean, that, that the Clay Scroggins book, honestly, um, how to lead when you're not in charge. Um, two things that I'll say, I would encourage a young leader to, I think oftentimes when I read scripture, we're reading it from a place of, um, it's discipleship, it's growing our souls, it's sanctification, but I would encourage them to also look at the life of Jesus to look at how to lead. Mm-hmm. And I think that often we will try to find other books to teach us how to lead um, instead of looking at the life of Jesus, who's the ultimate leader and the ultimate uh, king, disciple, etc. And so I would encourage them to read scripture through that lens of, of, of leadership. 
and understand that um, the inspired word of God will teach us how to be good leaders. And it shows us how to be good leaders. You've got Moses, you've got Nehemiah, you've got Paul. I mean, then you've got um, Phoebe. There's and, and the whole the whole book will teach you how to lead because it'll teach you humility. It'll teach you um, how to be more like Jesus. And I think for a while, I did not read scripture through that lens. Mm. And then I began to see how much I could learn as a leader, which really is a, a disciple, right? An influencer, somebody who is called to change and bring change about in their sphere of influence. Um, the way that Jesus lived his life. And so I've spent the last two years more than anything looking at the way that he loved, the way that he lived, the way that he moved through challenges and conflict, the way that he spoke into things. And oftentimes the way that he did not speak into things, mm. how he retreated, how he was quiet, how he spent so much of his time praying um, and, and seeking the father's voice for the good of the kingdom, right? And not his own and his flesh. And so I think that there's something that happens there um, when we were... It, it can click into self-help quickly by picking up a book and trying to fix and improve yeah. your leadership. Right. And so for me, at least in the last few years, um, the Lord's been really um, um, pressing right in that direction for me. So I spent a lot of my time reading the Bible about leadership and seeing what he has to say about it. The more that I become more like Jesus, the more that my character is transformed, the better leader I am, mm. the better leader I am in general, the more humble, uh, the more tender, uh, the more um, above reproach, the more um, compassion, mercy, right? Fruits of the spirit. Uh, then, if, then the book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, I think it's just a very simple, practical book to read when you are a young leader and you're not in charge and you're trying to figure out how to lead up and how to do it well and how to do it out of a place of humility um, and, and really centering you back in the identity of who you are in Christ and not in your role. Mm, so good. Um I think of uh, two two quotes. One is from David Platt. He was preaching from the word on the word, like about the Bible. So it was kind of That's weird, amazing. But, but it was really good. And he said, "We must we must read the word like our life depends on it." Yeah, because it does. It does because mm. it does. And as leaders, it is very easy. We we interviewed Dean and Sarah, which we've quoted him a lot, by the way, Chandler. He, I know. It was a, a really good podcast. But yeah. Dean said, you know, read more theology books than like leadership books in your span yeah. of reading because that's what's going to shape your worldview, right? That's what's mm -hmm. going to shape how we lead and why we lead. And the other quote, and I, I don't remember where this where this was from, but leadership is not about titles, influence or titles, flowcharts, positions. It's about one life influencing another, right? Yeah. And um, that's how to lead when you're not in charge, is to influence people. Um, so, man, great, great answer. Yeah, I just I think a huge focus of the past few episodes, and I, I think it started with Derwin as well. He he was mentioning how many times I think he said leadership's mentioned like twice in the Bible, mm -hmm. and discipleship is mentioned i can't i mean it was like in the hundreds i believe and yeah. it was the understanding and I, I greatly um appreciate you bringing us back to when you read scripture it changes you on the inside out and that's if you want to become a better leader start by looking at jesus and um yeah just such a such a great reminder because it is so easy just like you said it's almost like a self-help book of well i want to read this next leadership book that's going to change my life and you'll yeah. read it. There might be one point that you know you you take with you, but when you read scripture daily, it is truly changing you and changing the way you're going to lead forever. Yeah. See, a self help book will change your competency levels, right? Yeah. But your character will stay the same. Mm -hmm. Transforma the transformation of character comes in your relationship with Christ, and it's Christ's work in us and through us. Every day, in every season, in every role, whether you're leading at home, in a church, at a business, etc. 
And so, yeah, that would be my word. Pick up your Bible. <laughs> yeah. Got that one Love again. Spitting over there. Let's go. <laughs> what, what was your biggest misconception as a young leader? I'm so oh my excited God. to hear this one. Yeah. <laughs> my biggest misconception as a young leader was that everyone was going to follow me. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. We have places to go. I'm yeah. a leader. Look, let's go. I'm a leader, um, so you follow me, right? Like, so follow, thing like literally, I'm a leader, I'm like, you're it. the follower. I'm yeah. a leader, you're the follower. What's happening? Um, I didn't care who it was, whether it was like my leader, <laughs> the people who <laughs> followed me. I'm like, let's go. Um, that was the that was my biggest misconception that people were supposed to follow me. Um, and then I quickly learned that it's more so about me following Christ and me pointing them to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it was as they follow me, I lead them to Jesus, not me, uh, which is an immense amount of humility, right? And so when you are leading others, you are reminded every day out of your relationship with Christ that it's a gift. I was actually reading First Thessalonians this morning um, and the way that they are um, encouraging the church and saying, hey, thank you so much for leading others as you follow Christ. Um, it was such a sweet reminder of the simplicity of leadership. Like you follow him, they will follow you and they will follow him in you. Mm -hmm. Um, But the moment that we lose sight of that is the moment that we uh, make an idol out of our role and out of our leadership. Because then they begin to follow us and who we are out of our own gifting and not him. Mm. This This might go hand in hand, but what were some of the qualities you wish you had as a younger leader? Hmm. Oh man, some of the qualities I wish I had as a younger leader. Good. <laughs> Start working gonna, with the fruit of the spirit. I would be like, yeah, uh, all those and the fruit of the spirit. Honest to God, I'm like Galatians five. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I'm gonna humility. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think I think, and I'm gonna say something that that hurts hurts my my flesh and it makes me cringe some, but it's so real and so necessary. Humility, even with those who are wrong, and humility with those who have hurt you. Mm. Um, I think in, as leaders, as Christ followers, as disciples, as disciples, we are called to um, love those who have hurt us. We are, we are called to, and honest to God, that's the biggest flex in the kingdom is when you're able to love those who have hurt you, right? That, uh, when you're able to um, humbly lead those who uh, bring opposition against you, who have, d- who have betrayed you, done you wrong, right? So when you're able to lead in that way, you're really, really then leading from a place of, um, of love, a place of discipleship and relationship with the Father, right? Union in Christ. So I experienced a lot of that in the early years um, of ministry where there, was, there were a lot of times that I experienced conflict within the local church and relationships that were toxic and unhealthy. And I had to learn, even in those years, how to um, humbly, right, still lead and do it well and above reproach. And I think there's this false humility that oftentimes leaders carry because they're like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, I'm not talking, I'm not gossiping. I'm not talking about anybody. Uh, But then what's the inward, what's, what's happening inward? Are you really right? Loving your neighbor as Christ is called to love, to love them and has Christ has called you to love them. And I think that there's, there's a piece of humility there that we'll, we'll be learning forever as people, not just leaders, but yeah, humility, uh, loving people well, regardless of, of anything. Mm. Uh, the other uh, thing I think is compassion for 
not compassion in the way of like, man, um, I'm so, so I'm so sorry this happened to you, but compassion from the, from the perspective of my heart breaks for what breaks God's heart in general. Um, so whether it's um, something I agree with or not, whether it's something that um, that I may have some sort of I don't know disagreement in, I think if flowing from the perspective of um, God break my heart for what breaks yours, that in general should be something that we lead with every single day. And when we don't, it's a problem. Mm. Yeah. Well, we can all grow in humility and compassion for sure. Yeah. And like you said, yeah. uh, especially with humility, it's not something that you, it's like, check, <laughs> I'm done with, I'm done uh, with humility. It's like, it's a, you're growing in that throughout your whole life. Um, so once again, pick up your Bible. So let's move to the quick hitter questions here. These are going to be yeah. uh, short one minute answers. And we'll get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff? Okay, so I have a quick, fun answer for this. Pre-pandemic, when my children were in school, I was like thriving. I'd get up at five, read my Bible, write some, cook breakfast, take them to school. Um, things have changed since the pandemic. So we'll talk yeah. now, pan- post-pandemic, or I guess in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> I wake up at around 6 a.m. Uh, I get myself kind of centered and ready. I work from home a lot of the time with my 800 children. So it can be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really have three, but it feels like 800. And we, we have a framework that we work from in our home, a schedule that's pretty set. And we kind of go from there. Love it. What's your favorite personality test? Uh, Enneagram. Enneagram. <laughs> and you said eight and I'm, I'm going to make an assumption. You're not supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it on air. Eight wings, seven. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> making sure. Making sure. Same. You got it. Same. Yes. Eight wings, seven. Yeah. No, I love the Enneagram. I also, um, I love the, the disc. I think the disc yeah, is really great is for, really for, for local church leaders, servant leaders, volunteers. It helps you uh, unpack your gifts and really see how they can flesh out in different seasons. And I think that's really important for a leader to, to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you all use any personality test um, as somebody comes in to volunteer at Transformation Church? Yes, we actually, that's a great question. We just started using um, the, uh, it's, I think it's Lifeways, it's growth or spiritual growth. I'll have to look it up. I'm not sure that's the name of it or not, but it's a Lifeway one. It's free. We're using it now for our servant leaders as they come in and kind of, yeah. it's very basic just to figure out their their basic gifts. Yeah. I think it's really cool because a lot of times you, you go in to serve and, and you may not have taken a personality test before. And all of a sudden you understand, oh, this is how I can serve better. This is how I relate with other people. So I love that yeah, you guys are doing that. We are. What's an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Oh, man. An unusual habit that helps me in my leadership. I, uh, I'm a verbal processor. People make fun of me in meetings. I verbally just will, will go to town and I'm like, listen, I'm not even ready to to unpack this thought with you, but just let me say it out loud for five minutes and then we'll go from there. Uh, that That's an unusual habit. Also, um, I I have a bit of a routine. This is funny and unusual. I have to take my vitamins by 9 a.m. or I think my day's ruined. I'm pretty sure it's the, I'm pretty sure it's the placebo effect, but I don't care <laughs> because it helps me like center my mind. Um, also, I have another unusual habit. This is These are things that people like pick at me for. Um, I always have my water bottle in my meetings and I'll flick like the top of my water bottle when things are getting like challenging and there are only like a few people who notice it and I'll just like flick it <laughs> until, until they, someone will look at me and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'll I'm stop. sorry. I'll stop. I do that with the, 
So like with, with working out, if I don't have, which I haven't done at all over quarantine, but if I don't have protein powder afterwards, it's I think like it's complete yeah. waste. <laughs> Literally a waste. Like what a week yeah, like here. Like, I would just wasted a whole hour. It's gone. It didn't account for anything. Matters. Yes, Nothing matters anymore. Yeah, yes, if my B12 is not in by 9, 9 a.m., I'm like, I'm ruined. I'm a terrible get, I can't do gotta anything gotta get today. the B12. Gotta, gotta get, get the it. B12. <laughs> What's your favorite app on your phone right now? Oh my gosh. Favorite app on my phone. I don't think I really have a favorite app. I know I'm so crazy. I'll tell you, I don't really watch TV either. That'll make probably help you guys understand me more. I don't really watch TV. I don't have a favorite app. Not because I'm better than anybody, but because I, again, children and time, like it's just time management is such a big deal for me. Uh, Spotify is my favorite app on my phone right now in my Bible app. Spotify <laughs> with the Unseen Leadership Podcast pairing. Yes. That's your favorite app. There, that is literally it. That's it. Everyone listening. There's nothing yep. better. Yep. Love it. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months? Oh my gosh. Best book I've read in the past six months. Oh, let's see. Oh, yes. Gary Thomas's new book. It's on toxic people. Oh, hmm. Yes. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. That sounds like a good type eight book. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Hi. Hello, everybody listening. Welcome to my life. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Toxic. Like I'm Gary Googling Thomas, it. Right. Yeah, I think it's Gary Tom. Yeah. Let's see. It's, uh, toxic. Google. Toxic when, parents. When to walk away. When to walk away. By Gary Thomas. one of my honest to God, one of my favorite books in the last six months as a lead, he, he talks about leadership, talks a lot about Jesus, a lot about discipleship and a lot about boundaries and what it looks like to function as a healthy leader in the midst of toxicity. And I think as, as young leaders, it is crucial for us to know how to do that. Hmm. Let's check it out. Yeah. I'm going to have to check it out too. Okay. Last question. You ready? Harry, if you're listening, send me a free copy for that. Keep going. We got to get them on, then we'll definitely get some free copies. And we'll ask for three. Yeah. Uh huh. We can get it. Um, Okay. Last question. Here we go. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Mm. Oh, man. Remember that your identity is not defined by your role. That's it. I would I would give them that and then let them kind of sit in that and unpack it. That goes a thousand different directions. Uh, when you're talking about identity and your role and what God's called you to in different seasons, we have got to remember as young leaders, our role is going to change. Because God's, I mean, the rest of our lives in different seasons, it'll look differently. But if you're grounded in who you are, I would say stay steadfast in your identity in Christ. Um, and he will use you in any season uh, because you are his, his image bearer and a conduit. Mm-hmm. Well, Alex, thanks for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey. And thank, and thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, head on over to Instagram, give us a follow, shoot us a DM, let us know what you like about the podcast, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye.